You are welcome to another exciting episode of CADA Matters. CADA Matters is an awareness-raising program of CADA. CADA is an acronym for Church Against Domestic Abuse, a UK-based charity working to prevent and end domestic abuse, especially in Christian homes. Listen to this episode with Gracilis so as to build healthy relationships and keep your home and relationships abuse-free. Good evening, you are welcome to another episode of Kada Matters and I am delighted that you have chosen to use your Friday evening with us. Oh, not Friday. <laughs> I'm only thinking the weekend. I am delighted that you have chosen to spend your Thursday evening with us. A friend of mine usually calls it, she says it's the Friday Eve. Hello, Bralesti, good to see you. And I want to say a big thank you to everyone who's been watching. Today is another day for CADA Matters. CADA is an acronym for Church Against Domestic Abuse. And what we'll be doing today is what we have advertised. We say we are looking at questions and answers. So we're just going to be doing a brief recap of what we've done so far. And we're going to be answering some questions. So I'm Gracilis, in case you don't know. And it'd be nice to know where you're watching from. Thank you. So the first thing we're going to do today is just briefly recount. The last time we had a question and answer session was in the month, the last Thursday in the month of March. And this was after we had finished doing a series, several things. We started sometime in January. I believe we started with setting boundaries. That was how we began the year. We said this year we're going to set boundaries, setting boundaries. And then we looked at boundaries one and boundaries two, after which I believe we then began to look at, um, I'm just going to check myself so I'm not saying the wrong thing. And then people are like, oh, but you said we did it and we didn't do that. I know what we did, but I'm just going to confirm the order in which they were done. So we said we had the boundaries one and two. And after that, we decided to do breadcrumbing. It was a very quick and interesting topic. After breadcrumbing, we looked at emotional rape one and two, following which we then looked at domestic abuse and the confident woman. And after that, we had a question and answer session. In the past few months, we've had lots and lots of things to uh, we have done here. I think after that, when we began to look at, after we looked at um domestic abuse and the confident woman and we had looked at breadcrumb we looked at boundaries we decided that it would be good for us to actually look at emotional safety plan following which we then looked at domestic abuse and the gp bullying one and two we had a guest with us we then looked at domestic abuse and pornography that was that was an interesting one pornography we ran it for two weeks and even after that we did sexing and our children because Part of the things we discovered as we were doing pornography was, you know, we didn't look at the issue of sex, in especially as it pertains to children. And then we had our GP come to share with us on domestic abuse and the GP following, which we looked at medical gaslighting. And then we decided it was time for us to have a man come and explain to us. We looked at the issue of domestic abuse and the male victim following, which we looked at sexing and our children and we looked at domestic abuse and human trafficking that was dr loretta ogboro okov we enjoyed that particular session and then we looked at spiritual abuse one and two and then in the past months we have looked at adverse childhood experiences one and two and we have also looked at counseling domestic abuse and counseling of the children as well as domestic abuse and teen dating 
So I'm going to be answering the questions that pertain and relate there. But if there are any other questions, you can put them on the comments. I'm just going to read the questions and then answer the questions. I'll try as much as possible not to take so much time in the questions we are answering so that we can get to as many as possible. I'm just going to put on my glasses so I can actually read and see what people have written. I don't want to be reading something else when you have actually sent something. So let's see. Um, the first one is actually like a story. So what the person has said here, let me just bring it up so I'm not reading the wrong thing. So where's that again now? Okay. So my wife and I have been married for almost 10 years. And I wish I could say that it has been a smooth ride. Every marriage has their own problem, but the particular problem with mine is I, I'm not too sure, but I think there's something really wrong going on in my home. Every time my wife has demands, and if I don't follow what she wants, she keeps malice with me for days. Sometimes this malice could act for weeks. I'm not talking about saying that she doesn't talk to me at all, but she goes with those one answer word, and sleeping together is quite out of the action. And most times I actually have to apologize and give in to what she wants done and it's until that is done before we have any peace in the house i'm i'm not complaining but to be honest the demands of my wife are sometimes crazy once in a while i speak to my friends about it and, and it's like we are on another planet altogether we are both christians I, i've tried to involve the pastor at one point or the other but there's a way she smiles and does things in church at the end of the day it looks like I am the one who is the abuser and at the wit's end, am I actually going through, is this supposed to be abused? Do men go through domestic abuse? Thank you. Okay. So I want to say um, I'm really sorry about what has been happening in your home. Um, one of the things that happened, welcome Amati, one of the things that happen when men go, when we have male victims of domestic abuse is the fact that there are actually peculiarities this is because most times domestic abuse, we put it, we usually just think it's the women, it's the women, it's the women. But the statistics actually show that one in seven men actually go through domestic abuse. And from what this person has said, he has said that his wife, from what he has described, this sounds like emotional abuse. And this is actually someone using the silent treatment to get her way, keeping malice, not talking and making him to do things that he would not normally do just for the peace of the house. It's quite an unfortunate situation and it's something that needs to be addressed. Uh, we're not here to tell you leave your home or anything like that. And it seems from what you said that you've actually seen the pastors and you're trying to make progress that way. That's another good thing to, to, to do. But I think the very first thing to say is to answer your questions, to say, yes, men do go through domestic abuse. And yes, Christian men go through domestic abuse. It could come in different shapes sometimes when it has to do with the male victim of domestic abuse very very rarely you find it being actually physical violence most times it's emotional abuse most times it's financial abuse psychological abuse you know coercive control like what this woman is doing she's not talking to him she probably is not giving him sex he said the bedroom thing is out of the way and causing him to starve 
just until he turns around to do what she wants that's when she cooperates that is abuse itself that is abuse and you find out that when people begin to do this they start doing it the more often the more often god the more you continue in that circle and it needs to be addressed you need to say to this person this is what it happened just in case you've not recognized it but this is not the right way this is not a healthy form of communication when two when not children it's children that do those kind of things and even children when they're doing things like that after some time they just they come out of malice easily but we're not children we should learn to have healthy communication lines as adults if you're not pleased with what your partner is saying you sit down your part you sit down with your partner and you discuss the matters especially keeping the matters to what exactly is the problem not pointing figures not trying to accuse and anything like that but this particular thing that's going on this is actually what do you call it? this is actually domestic abuse and yes domestic abuse does occur with men and I, I, interestingly they, they also say i know that this is kada but you know that even in homosexual relationships there's also domestic abuse that could occur and it's one of the peculiarities of um, male victims of domestic abuse people don't believe you it's sort of a shameful thing how do you go and start telling people that your wife is abusing you domestically especially if it has to do with um, what you call um, physical control but from what this person has said it just fits into the category it's not um physical the, the wife is using emotional form of abuse just to get her away so that is not what should happen and that is um uh what do you call it that, that is domestic abuse and there are peculiarities and challenges as a christian man because you're supposed to be the head of the home everyone is expecting that you're managing the home you're the priest and how do you start to tell people this is what is happening in your home but i tell you one of the things you said in this program is the ability to speak up the ability to recognize this is what's happening the ability to get up and say no this is not happening anymore you know one of the very first things we must recognize is for any problem to be solved it needs to be recognized it needs to be addressed this is not the time to say oh the devil or oh, maybe she's possessed or maybe anything comes upon her no 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 this is domestic abuse and this is something that needs to be talked about and treated i hope that that answers your question if however you want some further personal further details you could contact us privately using our dm thank you i'm just going to look for the second question that we have today so the second question we have today um let me just make sure i'm reading the right thing okay so it says that the last time i listened to your program you were talking about an emotional safety plan and i think i've also heard you talk about a safety plan are these two different things you're talking about could you kindly clarify what you mean by an emotional safety plan okay so thank you for that question yes um an emotional safety plan it could be actually part of a safety plan usually when we say a safety plan most times what we're looking at is the ability for you to create a plan to plan ahead of time because sometimes as we've learned we've learned about the circle of domestic abuse one of the things we've learned is domestic abuse doesn't just occur like that usually there's a circle there's a building up there's a time everything is calm and then there's a tension phase things begin to build up build up build up build up and boom something happens after which we get down to the honeymoon stage again where the abuser begins to apologize and all of that sometimes with with the honeymoon sorry sometimes in this in the stage where you know something has happened 
Sometimes it could be really drastic that you have to keep yourself safe. You might have to quickly leave the house. You might have to quickly protect your children. And if that is the case, we are saying that don't go unprepared. And one of the best ways to prepare, one of the best ways to face an emergency is to prepare for it. And that's what the safety planning is all about. It's all about getting yourself prepared. And usually it's actually physical. Getting yourself prepared, having a set of documents, another set of documents, copy of documents that are important to you, keeping your ni number card keeping your passports keeping your children's and um, birth certificate things like that having those things having some spare cash having another set of keys and it's all of these things you could put in the bag it's almost like getting your bag ready as a pregnant woman so that just in case at any time in the middle of the night if the baby says i want to come out now you can quickly just grab the bag and go to the hospital that's what uh, a safety plan is you know having a safety plan having a safety bag having you, you you might not actually keep it in your home usually you keep it in the home of somebody who is close to you a friend where you can easily get to and you know just take it and just in case you have to leave your home in a rush or keep yourself safe for a couple of days so that's that's what the safety plan has to do and it's something that you can do with someone you trust and it's always good to have a safety plan you're always good to have a, a backup plan but when it comes to an emotional safety plan it's, it's just what we've said it is this is a plan for your emotions i know that this might seem strange to people but yes there's a need to plan for your emotions because with domestic abuse there are emotions evolve and it's always good emotions by themselves they are not good or bad but it's always good to have a plan for your emotions so what are you going to do if you find yourself getting angry what are you going to do if your partner is actually putting you to the grind maybe perhaps it's the holiday time if if during the holidays you're supposed to have the children on christmas day why he has the children on box or he has the children on christmas day and then you're supposed to have the children on boxing day and on boxing day he doesn't even text he switches off his phone you don't have the children sometimes you have to have a plan to what will i do if things are not working what am i going to do am i going to just continue to steam up you know and get myself upset or am i just going to chill out and be like, well if that's what you want to do as long as children are with you and they are safe so that's what an emotional safety plan is all about it's all about checking what you would do with your emotions also involves you know the fact that you could take things that could help your emotions do you have a favorite book do you have music is it music that you go to when you are a bit tense and when things are not working well what are you going to do are you going to if you're troubled are you going to do exercise are you going to have some more rest are you going to just go to the movies what exactly are you going to do so some those are the things to plan when you're having an emotional safety plan i think that that's just it so emotional safety plan is planning for your emotions in um episodes or cases of domestic abuse so yes it's part of a safety plan but it's, you know taking it a, a step further and having it in place so that we're not left in a limbo or cause to begin to do things that we didn't want to do before i hope that answers the question and then um, if you still want to know more, I think you should look, watch the IGTV video again of the emotional safety plan. Thank you. I'm just going to take the next question. Um, excuse me. Let me look at where that is. Okay. Gracile. So I met this lady whom I believed was in love with me. The romance was hot. Everything was sweet. We kept on going and before you knew it we're done in the altar after we had the altar my after the altar my wife started acting very funny 
and this happened actually after she had had her paper sorted started acting funny and one day she just told me that she needed a divorce i can't still believe what has happened but i've tried to make peace with her and i returned one day and found out that she had gone and there were divorce papers some of my friends warned me about her and about the fact that she was going through immigration problems at the time we met and the genuity of our love but i believe that she was different i feel very down i feel like i've been used i don't know what to do okay thank you for that question oh welcome 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 himo himo is our anchor person she's on a break she travels she has holidays so we've extended her holiday and that's why she's not here and i'm the only one here today so it's good to see you himo so thank you very much for that question um I'm really sorry once again that this has happened and it's something that actually happens commonly. It's um, people making use of other people, making use of people's higher emotions without the person's consent. So you find people using one's higher emotions, emotions like love without your consent, emotions like your generosity, your faith and your achievement. And, and this is a classic case of what um, emotional rape exactly that's the word i'm sorry but just in case you don't hear it but this is what is called emotional rape so this lady was with this chap everything was going on well he felt he thought he had found the perfect woman and they before you knew they went to the altar and after they went to the altar the marriage continued somehow i think from what he's written she's not had any children she's always had one or two excuses of what could have happened miscarriages and then immediately her papers got sorted she began to complain that they were no more compatible she's not enjoying the marriage life is short and before he knew it he's been served divorce papers actually that is a case of emotional rape and how do you know it's emotional rape how do we know that this is not just a case of the marriage was not just working you know what exactly how do you how do you know those things i think part of the ways you know that you know that this is emotional rape is the fact that there is always the presence of a hidden or dishonest agenda and then there's a sudden reversal and at the end of the day you start feeling extremely used you, you just feel like you can't love again you fear you can't live again and i think these are just the classic things that have happened one this person did not really love this person i mean from what she said did not really love this person she had a hidden agenda all this while she just had immigration troubles and she knew that well one of the best ways to solve your immigration problems in this country is to get married to someone who is a citizen or someone who has papers and then she she got that he was deceived he thought that you know he had seen a wife who had found somebody to spend the rest of his life with and was putting all the energy and all the time into the relationship but no 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 she was not interested and immediately she achieved her purpose there was a sudden reversal immediately she achieved her she collected her papers then she had stories of um, we're no more compatible we're not compatible i don't know life is too short and i'm sorry but these are things that could happen and sometimes that's why some people say that when you get into a relationship give it some time get to know the person get to know what's happening get to find out about the person make sure that there is no hidden agenda because a lot of people have hidden agenda there are some people who don't even have they actually are not interested in getting married, but they are just trying to fulfill the obligation that they've got him married. I remember a friend's brother, his first marriage, he, he married this lady who was, she was just interesting. She was interesting as in, we didn't, couldn't even understand what was happening. And she insisted that the marriage should be done in the village. 
So, and then, well, he went to the village, did the marriage, and then when they came back, he, he was like, she was not interested. She was just using him to let her village people know that, listen, I can get married. And after that, you know, she never really came back to the house matrimonial room, and that was the end of the whole marriage. That's just emotional rape, somebody using you for their own eating agenda. And at the end of the day, you feel used. At the end of the day, it's... Um, and to be honest, if this person is asking for a divorce and you've looked within yourself, you found out that there's nothing and you can trace back to see that all of this has happened. It seems that once this person has achieved their aim, they are living, then I, I think it's something for you to look into without having to feel guilty. That is a classic um, example of emotional. Some people is not even... Um, I think for some people, it's not even a matter of um, old papers. For some people, they stay with someone and get some financial help. Make the person see them through school. Make the person help them with their master. In short, some people stay there in a marriage just for as long as they can get a degree. They have a partner who is taking care of the children. He's contributing. She's contributing, thinking that we're in the long haul together. And then at the end of the day, the person achieves their aim and you find out that there's one story or the other. That is a classic case, this question of emotional rape. And it's unfortunate that this has happened. But, you know, having this emotional rape makes you feel isolated. You have this feeling that you're used. You have this feeling this loss of self-esteem, fear and anxiety. Can I marry again? Can I love again? Sometimes you're confused. Sometimes you even have erratic behavior. And I don't tell you that these are some things that you may be experiencing. So just know that it's not anything strange. I just want to say also that healing is possible. That healing is possible from emotional rape. You can learn to love again. You can learn to live again. You can learn to trust again. I hope this answers your question. If it doesn't, um, if you want something private, you can DM us or you can even watch the episodes again on the IGTV. It's, um, I think it's Emotional Rape Part 1 and 2. You can watch it on the IGTV and, and get to, we, we did expand a lot on that topic. So let's look at the next question. I'm just going to open it and make sure I'm opening the right thing. Uh, and just to say that it's not too late if you also want to, I'm just also trying to give a little bit of space. It's not too late if you want to send your own questions. So um, this one is from someone saying that, um, I know that I've heard you talk a lot. Let me make sure I'm reading the right thing. I know that I've heard you talk a lot about gaslighting. And I think I perhaps may have missed that episode but can i just find out from you because this is something that's been happening to me i've been seeing my gp for some complaints i've been having and every time i see him he's always acting and just giving me a dismissive attitude and acting like i'm wasting his time i i sometimes feel afraid of going to see the gp because i don't know how he's going to react sometimes he actually might be pleasant but most times he's not and he, he keeps acting like i'm wasting his time and questioning my symptoms and questioning all the things that i'm saying I, i'm beginning to feel very frustrated I, I i don't know but i i think from what you said there's a term for this could you just highlight a bit more about this what i'm going through with my doctor okay so i believe that this person may have caught in perhaps the episode when we talked about medical gaslighting gaslighting is something that we've treated in this forum for many times and interestingly this year we've not okay we've done medical gaslighting there are several other forms of gaslighting and i think maybe sometime this year we might be able to do another thing on gaslighting but medical gaslighting 
I think we also had that topic after we had the domestic abuse and the GP topic. We looked at medical gaslighting. So what this person is saying is that, listen, when I go to my GP, I just feel like I'm wasting his time. He acts like I'm wasting his time. He dismisses me. He dismisses my symptoms. And, and I just feel little when I go there. And it may be actually a case of medical gaslighting. And what is medical gaslighting? Maybe we should look at what gaslighting is originally. Remember when we talked about gaslighting, we said something that came from a film in the 40s where a man was trying to drive his wife crazy by claiming that he wasn't dimming the lights in the house. And he was dimming the lights in the house just to make sure. And, and you know, the wife was saying, this is not happening. It was like, this was happening. And she started feeling like she was insane and crazy. And that's because he had hidden motives. He wanted to control all of the estate and everything. And that's the same thing that could happen. So what we say medical gaslighting. So gaslighting itself is a form of psychological manipulation and emotional abuse. And it happens when a person makes you, makes you the victim question your reality, question your actions, your perceptions, your memories. Begin to wonder, am I crazy or you just begin to wonder, did that really happen? Did that not happen? And the reason why the person is doing this is to control control you and to belittle you. I would say that that can happen. If that happens between you and a health professional, that in itself is medical gaslighting. And it could happen for different reasons. So medical gaslighting is a term that we use to describe when a doctor or health professional blames a patient's illness or a patient's um, symptoms, as it were, or psychological factors or just denies your symptoms altogether and this is without investigations this is without any proof you're saying to your doctor oh i'm experiencing this pain and your doctor is like are you sure you're actually having a pain you think it's not in your head and all of that and then before you know it you don't even want to say what you're going to and it is in itself dangerous because that makes you not confident to say this is what i'm going to and that may make you actually lose out of proper diagnosis it may make you look lose out of early treatment you know when, when the doctor does that what happens is that he's actually sorry but let's see what's that m when the doctor does that what happens is that he's actually manipulating you and beginning to make you doubt leading you to doubt your own symptoms and, and sometimes doctors could do that for many reasons usually this is something that is experienced by most people who have chronic illnesses illnesses that you can't really categorize people that have like chronic back pain fibromyalgia you find out that when women are going through some certain things you can't really prove and then the doctor is dismissing you without even investigation or blaming your symptoms on psychological factors or just tribalizing or denying as it were that you have something i think that this is what this person is experiencing and there are many ways you could go about it because the effects of medical gaslighting one of of which I've cited being the fact that you're not diagnosed early uh, and if you're not diagnosed early your symptoms are not treated properly you could just end up going worse down the chain with something that could have a stitch in time saves saves nine is something that could have been saved so there are many things you could do about medical gaslighting one of the things you could do is to begin to record your symptoms so record your symptoms get a diary record your symptoms how you felt when you felt it where you felt it what made it worse what made it better write down when you write down then you can tell yourself that you're not forming these things and all of that so write those things down and then when you're going to see the doctor have your questions written down already so you know what you want what you expected have your questions maybe to tally with your symptoms well, this is what and there's nothing wrong of course if you go and look up in the internet it doesn't necessarily mean you're conducting um, consulting dr google yes you could read up in the internet but write out the things that are happening to you have them written down and then you could even go with somebody with a friend who perhaps has um 
heard you talk about this somebody who has actually seen somebody who affirmed that you're not crazy and you're not forming any symptoms and then when, when you get there make sure that the doctor is saying anything to you bring out your book and then you ask ask your questions based on what you've written ask for clarification ask for um are there going to be investigations what is he or she basing their assumptions on and and there's nothing wrong with asking for a second opinion there's nothing wrong with asking for a second opinion your gp is supposed to be your family doctor is supposed to be somebody you can trust supposed to be somebody you can come with whatever issue you have and if you are not feeling comfortable then you can always ask for your gp to be changed i hope that that answers that question thank you we are running out of time let me see if i can take two more questions um let's see what is this one about let's just be sure what this is about okay so i attend a church that i'm beginning to feel is almost like a cult i think one of the things i don't like about the whole setup is the fact that you can never question anything everything that comes from the pulpit is law and order even though sometimes they cannot really be proved by scripture and every time i, I try to reason out of the box it seems like I am the rebel and everyone around seems to look at me in such a way that makes me wonder if I really belong. I don't know what's going on. I really love to stay in a church and be in a church family and I really don't like to change churches. But I'm beginning to think that this is not the right place to be. Could you help me with some advice? Okay. Thank you very much for that question. If we could help with some advice, well, one of the things I would say is if you are beginning to feel uncomfortable, perhaps it's time for you to sit down on the draw board and write down again, what are the things you want from a church? What are the things that you expect from a church family? And what should a church family expect from you? But from what you said, it sounds like where you are, you are going through um, what we call spiritual abuse. And I remember when we treated this topic, we talked about spiritual abuse in the home. You know people using spiritual abuse in the home and we say spiritual abuse could also occur in a context it could occur in the congregation and um, we said that spiritual abuse occurs when an oppressor establishes control over a victim by using scriptures doctrine or his leadership role as a weapon and we, we said that there are some characteristics of spiritually abusive ministries one of the things we said about spiritual abusive ministries is that the power is all in one place that there's no there's no freedom of speech there's no freedom of thoughts people cannot just read their bibles like that it must be interpreted in the light of the readers and anything that looks like a deviation is termed as rebellion and we said that in spiritual abuse sometimes it could it could be a role more it could be there could be a group model where it is the group the dynamics in the group is and i think that's what this person is saying the dynamics in the church is keeping you in check keeping you in check to make sure that you're conforming to the to the mode that everyone is expected to conform to so that's another way it could be so you could all you could sometimes it's not even the leader himself it's the group dynamics it's the people in the group the people in the church there's a way and a manner that they expect that you do certain things and when you're not doing that thing then there's a problem and, and you might begin to just ask yourself when it comes to spiritually abusive ministries as in do the leaders do they well as in for this year church do the leaders hold all the authority do they discourage free thinking or opinions about their messages and do they inform their 
their lead, their what you call it, their followers, that they are less valuable or can they change? Are they accountable? Are they leaders that are up there? You know, and then do they demonize any other thing, every other religion, every other, every other thing? See, if in your spiritual clique you are the only ones doing the right thing, you are the only ones going to heaven, you are the only ones that have the true gospel, then I tell you that it might most likely be that you are in a place that is fostering an environment for spiritual abuse and you could just be in a cult even though it is spiritual Yes, yeah, so spiritual abuse can occur. It's the, it's the use of scripture, the use of doctrine, the use of spiritual position to, as it were, manipulate, control people. Our leaders are not supposed to control us. And we're talking not just in the, not just at home, even in the church. Our leaders are supposed to be shepherds. Our leaders are supposed to be servants. They're supposed to be the chief servant of all. And, and I would just say that most times spiritual abuse is born out of lack of self-knowledge where the abuser, especially for those that have this like one man who is like the head, who is like up there and all of that, but it's a lack of self, self-awareness where the leader is not able to distinguish between what I want and what Christ wants and then beginning to make sure that everything he wants is tempt as this is what God wants, and in that way, guess what? It, what happens? You begin to welcome that mini B. Thank you for joining. I believe this is the first time we're seeing. Thank you for joining the, the spiritual abuse. Um, when sorry, I've just lost my tra my train of thoughts. So we said that it could happen because there's a loss of self awareness where. The, the leader is not able to distinguish between this is what Christ wants and this is what I want. You know, not being able to distinguish between that could be a, a cause of spiritual abuse or just the Christian celebrity culture. And you know that we like to we like celebrities, and I tell you that celebrities also occur in Christendom. And sometimes we make our pastor a celebrity, making sure that their every word and everything is followed to the latter more than begin to follow the leader more than you follow Christ. And, and I love what Apostle Paul said. Apostle Paul says, "Follow me as I follow Christ." So if we're going to be following anybody, we need to make sure that the person is following Christ. And sometimes we are in a spiritual abuse or cause because of laziness on our part. We don't want to do the work. We want to do like the people who Moses was leading. Go and hear God for us. And when you come, come and tell us what God has said. And we've replaced our pursuit for growth with our pursuit for someone else who has packaged a growth program. We are out of time and this is where i will have to draw the curtain today i think i was able to answer about five questions i think perhaps in the next uh, session of questions and answers we will just answer the ones that we're not able to answer today and um if your question is burning if we're not able to get to your question you could dm us i'll be able to give you a call and answer the questions i'll say a big thank you to everyone who has joined us today thank you mama t thank you but Leslie, thank you, Himo, the Mitigate, MC Mitigate. Thank you, Mini V, for joining us. We are grateful. And thank you for everyone who is going to watch this later. This is Kada Matters. And today we've looked at questions and answers, just looking at where we stopped the last time. Because the last time we had this was sometime in March this year. So it's been a while now. We've talked for several, several Thursdays. I thought it was good for us to have a question and answer session. Next week we'll be back. And guess what we'll be looking at? We'll be looking at the silent treatment. The silent treatment is something that occurs in many relationships. And I think it's time we address that 
topic address what it means when you get the silent treatment what should you do thank you so much mama t thank you everyone for joining us we hope to see you again next week and if you want to catch up on our episodes guess what we are now on several podcasts you could check us on apple Podcasts, amazon Podcasts, um amazon yes google podcast on spotify on anchor just type kada matters and you will see come on man. don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for us we hope that we will see you as our follower and someone who has subscribed to our podcast. Bye for now. Thank you, everyone. We hope you enjoyed and learnt from today's session. Till we come your way again, remember, God hates abuse. There is no excuse for abuse. The church, which is you and I, say no to domestic abuse.